You know, with arrows flying around, I should change the sermon to two sparrows are cost a penny, and how much more valuable are you? And our final song should be, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Can you see it up here in front? And, and one is back in there as well. So, well, let's go ahead and just keep the same sermon. We're looking at John this morning, chapter 1, beginning at verse 43, and I invite you to read along as we share together in John's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 43. Hear now God's Word. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said, to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to them, I tell you truly, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we thank you for all that you have given to us in this ministry of this congregation as we celebrate our 71st year. We are blessed by our leadership, by our session, our deacons, our pastors, our members and friends. Help us now, Lord, to open our hearts and our ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson takes us back to the sandy shores of the Sea of Galilee with Jesus giving the same invitation to Philip as he gave to Andrew and Simon Peter. Simply, follow me. Philip sees Nathanael and he says to him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. 
whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael came back with a skeptical reply, can anything good come from Nazareth? You see, Nathanael's hometown was Cana of Galilee, and they had a long-standing prejudice against Nazareth, and so those folk from Cana just thought of those folk from Nazareth as being backward and irreligious. Nathaniel was passionate about Israel with its traditions and religious ceremonies. He knew the Messiah was to come from the house of David, Bethlehem, not from some hayseed town like Nazareth. Like all righteous and abiding Jews, he longed for God to redeem Israel. He longed for God to send a Messiah who would lead Israel into a new international time of prominence. But from Nazareth? No way. Not to argue the point because of his skeptical Cossack remarks, Philip's only response to Nathanael was, Come and see. And Jesus looked at Nathanael and said, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile, nothing false, in whom there is no deceit. With that and a few more words, Nathanael became a follower of Jesus. Now, you know, we don't know much about Nathanael. He was always counted among the disciples in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we come across his name again after the resurrection when John records these words. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. We do hear of Nathanael one more time in the book of Acts as the eleven apostles come together. And then the book of Acts opens up with the ascension of Jesus, the choice of Matthias to replace Judas. By the way, we never hear of Matthias again either. Continuing in the book of Acts, there's the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people responded to Peter's Pentecost sermon. By the fourth chapter of Acts, the authorities arrest Peter and John for proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. 
By chapter 5, there's unrest in the fellowship and hostility from the high priests and the Sadducees who were filled with jealousy. In chapter 6, there is the introduction of the deacons to be the servants of the church. And then in chapter 7, next comes the hostility against the Christian community and the stoning of Stephen and the beginning of open hostility. And then we're introduced to Saul of Tarsus, who single-handedly had Christians killed and imprisoned because of his hatred and prejudice against this new supposed Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. In the early years of Christianity, the whole of the, of the known world lay in bondage. Israel was still under the Roman boot with racial and religious prejudices ever against the Jews. Rome was always in charge regardless of the situation, and they never let the Jews forget that they were of no account only tolerated at best. There was one state, and it was Rome, and ruler, one ruler that was Tiberius Caesar. There was oppression for those who were not friends of Tiberius Caesar. There was enslavement of those individuals who did not come from Rome, disdain for those who were not like the elite of the Roman population, and most of all, there was just a contempt for life. But according to Scripture, in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because we are children of God, God has spent, sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we are no longer slaves but a child, and if a child, also then an heir through God. Do you recall the words of Jesus in John chapter 8 when he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he said in another place, Render unto Caesar those things that are Caesar's, and unto God those things that are God. The voice from Galilee, which would defy Caesar and the religious leaders, offered a new kingdom in which each person could walk upright in the light of God's love 
and God's will and bow to no one but their God. And that gospel, that good news, spread to the end of the world. The light came into the world, but there were those still who lived in darkness, preferred to live in darkness, and they tried to lower a curtain so individuals would still believe there was no such thing as love and grace and forgiveness and reconciliation to those who looked different, spoke differently, whose skin color was different. Down through the centuries, our world has had to contend with those who still live in darkness and seek destruction of nations and families. Do I need to list them? Of course not. They are seared in our memories all through the centuries, those who have come to bring oppression, those who have come to bring hate and war to those who are not like them. Now this Sunday we celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday with a national holiday. A man who, like Nathaniel, was a man to whom there was nothing false or guile, there was no deceit in him. From the march to Selma, to the bombing of the church, the dogs, the billy clubs, the fire hoses, racial bigotry still plagues our nation and world precious Ferguson, Missouri, New York City, France, and other countries of Europe. In a sermon delivered in 1968, we have these eternal words from Martin Luther King, Jr. He said, we all want to be important. We all want to have a quest for recognition. We all like to be praised. There are those among us who need to feel superior, a need that some have to feel that they are first and to feel that their skin ordained them to first place. And that has led to the most tragic prejudices, the most tragic expression of man's inhumanity to man. Martin Luther said, quoting Jesus, you want to be important? You want to be significant? Well, you ought to be. If you're going to be my disciple, you must be. Those are good instincts if you don't distort them and pervert them. Keep feeling the need to be important. Keep feeling the need to love. But I want you to be first in love. And I want you to be first in moral excellence. And I want you to be first in generosity. That's what I want you to do. 
So Jesus gave us a new norm for greatness. Every now and then I think about that day we will all be victimized by something we call death. We all think about it. And every now and then I think about my own death. Oh, I don't think about it in a morbid, in a morbid sense. And every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I want said? What is it that I would want people to remember? And I leave this word to you this morning. He said, if any of you are around when I, when I meet my day, don't make the funeral long. If you get somebody to deliver a eulogy, Tell them not to talk too long. Tell them not to mention that I have the Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to remember that I have three or four hundred awards. That's, that's not important. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King tried to love somebody. I want them to say on that day that I tried to feed the hungry. I want them to be able to say that I did try in my life to close those who were naked. And I want to be able to say, and I want you to be able to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. And I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world overwrought, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want, I want to be there in love and justice and truth and commitment to others so that we can make this old world a new one. Let's try again. Amen.